You're late. That's a good little band right there, don't you think? It's good. Turn to your neighbor and say, you look well this morning. It's good. See, everybody can agree with that because I didn't say pretty. I didn't say beautiful. I didn't say handsome. I just said, well, Frank, is it really your birthday today? Frank Hendrick, is it really his birthday today? Happy birthday. God bless you. Amen. God bless. Who else's birthday is it? Anybody else's birthday today? Who? Is it your birthday? Really? Well, you going to get a Ferrari? Sure, I don't. Don't go cheap, son. Don't go. Go Ferrari, you know. I know your parents. That's good. Go for go. Anybody else's birthday out there? Look well. Bake sale. It's out there. I mean, they sold a ton of stuff this morning. As a matter of fact, there is a heavenly blueberry pie that's a world-class pie. It's blueberry. Um, they already have a $500 bid on that baby. I thought, wow, that's, that's pretty good because I prayed over every blueberry. They're the large blueberries. I prayed when I mixed up the blueberry with a little bit of lemon juice, you know, and, and a lemon zest. You have to do that, a little bit of cornstarch and some cinnamon and all that goes in it, you know, to make it just really, really, really special. And then that crust I put on there, it's just so beautiful. And uh, so last year I made it, I I labored over it, and I didn't get any of it. (laughs) So I made me one this time, buddy. I thought I'd take that one on. I got my own, amen. And last night when it was cooled down, I took it, it was still warm, got me some vanilla ice cream, and I said, in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit, hallelujah, I anointed it really well. And I mean, it was, it was good. Sharon's asked me this morning at 520, are you taking your pie to the church? I said, I'm not going to take in my pie. It's still dark outside. Well, what do you mean? I said, somebody's heard about my world-class pie. They might be out there ready to accost me before I can get it in the car. So, so anyway, security helped bring it in this morning and it's out there. Don't you just, don't you enjoy church? When I was there, I I love coming to church. I love hanging out with you guys. Now, this message this morning um, is uh, is one that's called necessary prayers. And necessary prayers are often not prayers that we pray unless we're prompted, like this morning's message. A A lot of messages that we pray are like bedtime prayers. They're prayers with your kids or your grandkids or prayers with your spouse. They're church prayers. They're prayers that you pray out on the highway, you know. They're prayers that you pray as mealtime and maybe for a time of devotion. And uh, often they're comfort prayers, you know, prayers that we know that we need to do uh, that may not shake us up as much and often have a lot to do with, God, I, I need you to help me do this, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Someone said, well, I, there are some prayers I'm not going to pray. And I said, the other day, I said, well, what is that? I'm not praying for patience. 
Why, why, why wouldn't you pray for patience? I knew the answer. Well, I heard when you pray for patience, you got tribulation. I said, well, let me just give you a late news bullet. It doesn't matter whether you pray for patience or not. You're going to have tribulation. How many understand that? Something's going to come along and just beat you up and knock you out and create angst for you. And you can call that tribulation if you like. So you don't even have to pray. You know, tribulation is going to come. But it's what happens in you and through you when that tribulation does come. So a lot of the prayers are protective and comfortable, but these are necessary prayers. I'm going to give you about five of them this morning because I think they're important. And number one is search me. Say that with me, search me. It's all right, God. Here I am. It's just the two of us. I want to sit down, and I'm sincere about this prayer. Search me. That is a huge prayer. Now, it's not like, okay, search me, but it is God, listen I want you to reveal to me the things you see that I refuse to see. I want you to reveal to me the things that I've kind of sidestepped, that's in me, that's not right, that's become an accepted part of my behavior. God, now, search me. Well, buddy, I want you to know that will cause you to dig, dig, dig real deep when you say, search me. It's a prayer that David prayed. Psalms 139, here's what he says, search me, O God, and know my heart, try me, know my ways. God, see if there are any sinful ways in me and lead me out of that toward you. That's a search me, O God. But that prayer did not just come out of the blue. You'll find in a moment there was a real reason David got real serious about praying that kind of prayer. If you study Psalms, you'll find that David is reflecting on the greatness of God prior to do that. I mean, talking about the greatness of God. God, you know everything. There's not one mystery in your mind. God, nothing is hid from you. God, you know every part of the solar system. You know the name of every star. You have known from the very beginning to the end. Lord, you're acquainted with all my ways. God, you're omnipresent. You're omniscient. You're omnipotent. David talks about that. He says, where can I go from your spirit, God? You are so great. He said, where can I flee from your presence? Impossible. Where can I go in this planet that you're not already there? God, you're omnipresent. You're everywhere. You're powerful by your spoken word. You have made everything. And I give you thanks because, God, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. You are a great, great, great God. That feels good. That's a part of worship. That's when our behavior is functioning in a way that's bringing pleasure to God. It's part of a personal prayer. And then he states, how precious are your thoughts about me? You're always on my, you're all, I'm always on your mind, God. Always. If I could count all the times you've thought about me, you've looked out for me, you have mentioned my name, you have coddled and cuddled me, God. He said, it would be beyond the number of grains on the shore of the oceans of this world. That's how you feel about me. David gives God his due and talks about all those things, but something happens. And he snaps. He pauses. He's out of this routine now. 
being heavenly minded and talking about the greatness of God because here's what happened. He ran into a human emotion. He ran into a carnal piece of nature. And all of a sudden, he snaps and he makes an abrupt turn, a 180 turn. And he goes from how wonderful you are, God. Your thoughts about me are as numerous as the grains on the shore. To God, how do you put up with wicked people? How do you seem to smile on those that really could care less about you? I loathe those people. They get on my nerves, on my last nerve. They have become my enemies. He says in the text that I read, 139, starting there in verse 23, Search me, O God, and know my heart. And then verse 21, Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? And arbor those who rise up against you. And then verse 22, I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. What happened to him? What happened to this nice, meek little guy who had the patience of God and all of a sudden takes this kind of attitude and he meditates on it. And then he says, wow, that's why he prayed. Because when he found that in him, he then prayed, God, search my heart. Look inside me. There must be something still there in me that you've not mined out. There must be some pocket of rebellion or hatred or bitterness or pride in me that boils up in me. God, I, I thought I'd confessed everything, but maybe there's pride or something ungodly. Search Search me. Why? Because my, I want to be like you. I want to live the kind of life that I don't blow up. I want to live the kind of life that I don't slap the cursing out there. Well, you can take two schools of thought here. You can say, well, you know what? That's just human nature. Everybody does it. And you just cut yourself some slack and everybody does it. That's just humanity. Well, the second thing you do, if it's not that, it's what David did. Search me, oh God. You know my heart. I desire to be pure. And you know, God is saying, which is it? For you, are you living in a way and behaving in a way? And in your life, you have those moments and you have those things and you have those areas that you give yourself the, the privilege to say, ah, you know, that everybody does it. You know, the Bible talks about sanctification and talks about holiness he said, I want you to be holy as I am holy. And if there are areas in your life, once you settle down, that you see that happens, then you need to turn that over and say, God, search me. Number two, it's not only search me, number two is break me. Break me. Ecclesiastes 3 said there's a time to build up and a time to tear down. Time to pile up the bricks, put the mortar in between the bricks and build you a superstructure. And then there's a time to take a sledgehammer and break all the bricks apart. And if you're going to grow deep in your faith with the Lord Jesus Christ and find that God through his Holy Spirit is to keep you fluid, to say, God, I want to be better tomorrow than I am today. That is, God, any pattern in my life that begins to take control of me and becomes a consistent behavior over here, maybe when no one sees, no one is accounting for, no one really seems to notice, God. If that's over there, you see it. I want you to deal with it 
in me. I don't want any strings of attachment. If you're a new believer, it will take you time under the grace of God through the power of what we call sanctification. Maybe before you came to Christ, you cursed like a sailor, and even worse. Maybe before that, you ran around. Maybe before that, you lied, you cheated, you stole. Maybe before that, you had privilege to let your temper spout off. Maybe before that, you had some people that was a list that said, if I ever get along with them, I'm just going to take them to test. If something could happen to them, I'd really like for it to happen now. But now you're saved. And here's what this Holy Spirit is saying through break me. God, I don't want those old ways to remain and have control of my life. I don't want to hate my brother. I want to love them. I don't want to have resentment. I don't want to have jealousy. I don't want a mouth that does not praise. Whatever you say or do in Jesus' name, do it as unto the Lord. I want my mouth to not speak bitter water one minute and sweet water the next. I want to be consistent in how I live and my vocal and what I say. There was one woman, of course, that was caught in the act of adultery. The great spiritual leaders of the community, so to speak, brought her and threw her down at the feet of Jesus into the dust. She knew she was guilty. She was caught. They wondered what Jesus would do if he handed down judgment. He looked at her. She's weeping. She knows there is no hope. She's caught dead to the nail. And he says, any of you? That is without sin. That's one way, but here's another phrase. Or any of you that have any sinful patterns or behaviors in you, you cast the first stone. Just any of you. They walked away one by one. Jesus said to her, I don't condemn you either. But then he also said, Go and sin no more. In other words, let this moment be a breaking moment in your inner person that the behavior and the things that you did before this moment, I want you to stop those. I want you to get those under control by the power of God's Spirit. The same thing happened with Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a tax collector, had a great dinner with Jesus. That dinner changed his life. Changed Everybody in town, for the most part, hated him. Because he had free will to charge tax of anything that he wanted and take his hand and dip into the financial kettle and take all he he wanted. But he realized at the time of conversion, of being broken after being searched by the Holy Spirit, I'm doing wrong. And he had such a change on his life. He said, search me, O God. And then he said, hey, here's what I want to do. I want to start honoring the poor. I want to start paying back to the charities that I stole from. I want to mend broken relationship that I have that I I created in my own life. Because why? I want to be broken. I I want the old me to not control, rule, or reign. There's a song that we sang forever as I was growing up as a young person. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on me, break me, mold me, fill me, use me. When is the last time in your spirit, man, have you said, God, I've let my will become free reign. And they need to remember to stay within the bounds of a person that you are pleased with. And the only way that happens is break me.
Break me. Let me see those things that are in me. God, are there resentments? Are there anxieties in me? Have I built up a crust in my spirit, man? Do I just get angry every time pastor talks about giving? Do I think, God, nobody really lives right? Is that, is that the way that you are? What you need to be is broken, and it's best you ask for God to break you as opposed to God having to break you. How is that possible? Step, just God stepping back and saying, you don't want to be the kind of person I want you to be. You don't want to be the light in the darkness. You don't want to be the person that freely honors me and uses the talent. You don't, I'll just step back. You go ahead and be in control of your children. You go ahead and you be the big protector of your grandkids. You go ahead and be the star in your business. You go ahead and be the popular. You go right ahead. I'll leave you to yourself. But I'm saying to you that every time that ever happened, every time, humanity failed. And you will too. Why? Because the goal of our desire is not for God to retreat away from us, but for God to step and to be the vine and the branch that flows together in the relationship. That's the breaking opportunity that God gives us. God, search me. Those are, but here's another. God, stretch me. Stretch me. I want you to stretch me. That means, God, I'm no longer satisfied with just doing laps. I'm not satisfied with just going to church. I want to engage a small group. I I want to do something. I want to be stretched. No, I'm not good at public speaking, but, God, I can serve in some regard. I can help with the tree decorations. I can sign up for that. God, I can ring the bell. I will. I will. God, if if that's the place to be, that right there is where I'm going to sign up. I can deliver meals, but, oh, is it a matter of your willing to make the sacrifice of God searching you, God breaking you, and now God says, you know what? I want to stretch you. In the New Testament, there was a religious leader. His name was Nicodemus. How many remember him? All of you do. Good. He slithered into the presence of Jesus in the night. Why? Because he was such a religious leader, he did not want to be seen in the daylight. He did not want to be seen associating with Jesus. He admired Jesus. He understood, but he was conflicted in what he had been teaching as a religious person of the law and what Jesus was saying. And that attraction of grace and mercy and love and the finesse of Jesus' teaching with deep-rooted truths gripped him. And so at night he went to Jesus and he said, I'm conflicted, I don't know But I want to know because I'm coming to realize that what you are saying is correct. But for me to get from where I am at to where you are, 
I'm going to need to be stretched. I'm going to need to step into a territory that I've never been. I'm going to have to get to a place where it's not comfortable. I'm going to need to get to a moment in my life where I understand and adopt. And Jesus said, it's not about what you do and doing. It's not about saying so many prayers and bowing so much. It's not about the religious law, though those are important. But it's about not what you know, but who you know. His name is Jesus. It is a relationship. It's not one of practice of law. It's one of grace and one of mercy that he died for your sins. That's the understanding that we understand. That was not what had happened yet in, uh, before Jesus' death. But, but Jesus told him, I want you to understand, that's what serving God is all about. That's how you get close to Jehovah, is love is God. Search me, break me, and stretch me. And friends, some of us have gotten to the place that life is a bit of a rut I can tell you things can shake you up so quickly that what happens to you, you thought would never happen to you and your family. And you say, how in the world that this situation come into my family? You know what God is trying to do? And it's unfortunate, but God is trying to say, trust me here. Acknowledge me. Love me. Don't get nervous. Don't get ashamed. Don't get shaken. Just pay attention to me because I will stretch you into an arena that you'll be able to do greater things because of what you've experienced in the stretching process that it will be unbelievably noticed in the power and the presence of God. That's how great things happen. So do not complain as you are in fact being stretched. How do you do that? The early believers they're following the Lord Jesus Christ. They were stretched. They stepped out of heathenism. They stepped out of their Jewish law teaching into the presence of relationship with God. And they prayed, God, stretch me, not protect me. God, stretch me, not make me more comfortable. God, stretch me, not give me everything that I want. God stretched me as a result of that. They had to stand firm in their faith as we came through our missions convention. Some came from the live dead commitment. And when they're paraded in the Colosseums and thrown to the lions, they're saying, God, stretch me and enable me to stand strong in my faith for Almighty God. God, when I'm facing the lions, you could have been born during that time. But you're born for this time. But the Colosseums of the enemy are still there. The culture is building greater and greater places where the public scrutiny is there. And what the world wants to know and what God wants to know, when you're stretched, will you stand? Will you stand? Give us the courage to face it. Number four, lead me. Say that with me. Lead me. Lead me. <clears throat> Amazing. There's that song. I'll do it my way. 
Who sang that song? Not Michael Jackson. Don't make me go into one of his routines, I'm telling you. Frank Sinatra, one at most noted. I'll do it my way. Jim Campbell, I said, how many's ever heard that song before? Jim Campbell in the first service, you know, never heard of Frank Sinatra, never heard it sing that way. Jim Campbell raised his hand <laughs> like he'd never heard of Frank Sinatra. The problem is what he was saying is you do a much better job than Frank Sinatra because <laughs> I'm still here. I'll do it my way. We like that. There's that human nature in us. Just get out on the interstate. Drive over to Tampa this afternoon about 4.30. You want to try and test out your patience? Hello? Sure, just, just try it. Just go right up here on 98 to where the steak and shake sits right there. Huh? And people are on the inside lane, and the turn signal gives the arrow and people decide to make a U-turn one after another because they want to get back to Steak and Shake or get back to that Western store. And I'm usually four or five behind, and I'm trying to say that light doesn't stay long. I know how long it is, but look at that nut. And then you've got the one that's going just... Search me, O oh God, and know my heart. How many know what I'm talking about? Good moments. Good moments. God, lead me. Well, I'm going to say lead me if it doesn't cost me too much. The song that we sang out of Ruth, you know, it's unbelievable. I'll go where thou goest. Hello? I'll go where you want me to go, dear Lord. Oh, you will? And you can't even agree with your spouse where you want to go to dinner. <laughs> and when you know that you can't agree on where to go to dinner, it's because you go to dinner too much. That's huge. <laughs> so lead me. If I say, how many wives out there are absolutely submissive? I'm not asking for hands. <laughs> or how many of you husbands would raise your hand and say, my wife, according to Proverbs... According to the Word of God, my wife is the most submissive woman on the planet. If I ask, some of you would fuss all the way home. <laughs> Why, there's just, there's just something in us that doesn't want to be submissive. I'll be submissive to God, but I ain't going to be submissive to whom? Why? Because we think we know it all. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's you. Go ahead. We think we know it's you. We think we know it all. 
We think we know better. Yes, I'm baking that blueberry pie yesterday. Sharon comes in. The, she always sets it out. She's so sweet, so good. Sex sets it out. Now, you know that TSP is teaspoon, you know. And this is sugar, and this is flour, and this is cinnamon, and TBS is tablespoon. Yes, I got that. I'm just trying to help. Let me So how does God lead you? How does God lead you? What would it be like if you just stepped back and said, okay, God, everything I have, my full attention is on you. You lead me. You guide my footsteps. He says, I know the plans I have for you, not to harm you, but to bless you. But for that to ever work, you got to have your heart searched. You got to be broken you got to be broken, and you got to be willing to say, I want to be led. Whatever you have in my life. Some of you may be called as a missionary to mission. Some of you young people, be careful how you plan your future. It goes right back to the classes of study that you take in your high school classes that may take you in a path to your future. But listen, on a path to your future, if it ever gets to the place that you run into challenges and you feel that God is redirecting your path, never be ashamed to redirect as you listen to the power of the Holy Spirit. How many of you know by now that your GPS is not always right? May I see your hand? It is not always right. It is not. I rebuke them in Jesus' name. <laughs> not always right. But he, hallelujah, the Holy Spirit is always right. Amen. But you got to know his voice if you're going to listen and do what he says, which means your prayer life has got to be there and never, never know. Finally, use me. Say, use me. Use me. Use me. Use me. Use me. Use me. You ever heard an individual say, all my company wanted to do was to work me like a dog and not pay me. And then when it got to the place of retirement, they kicked me to the curb and said, hey, we're, we're outsourcing your job to somebody else. Have you ever heard, you ever read about an athlete who said, they, they just want to use me, buddy. They only wanted to give me $17 million. Only $17 million. I think I could get on the professional football field and at least make one down of plays for $17 million. I'm willing to try it. How about you? Load me up with the padding. I'm not going to be like David. I won't take that, won't take that, won't take that. I'm going to say, Saul, give me everything you got. But what they don't know is running into good, sleek muscle, 225 pounds, friend, may do them damage. Use me. Use me. Have you figured a way out? Whatever the season is you're in now, where the door to use me is? 
Wherever the season is, whatever it is that you're in right now, have you figured out the door for God to use you there? You know where it's at? Have you come to the conclusion to say, I want to be led, but not there? Use me. God never intended for any of us to be used in a negative and abusive way. God said, I just want you to be available. When I search your heart, I see a resistance to the flow of the will of God, so I need to break you. Now that I've searched you and I have have broken you, I, I want to be able to stretch you because the condition you're in now is not the kind of condition you need to be in the next field of play that I have for you. And then I need to lead you in the paths of righteousness that might be unfamiliar sometimes. But my common goal is to be used and use you. Because there's just one more person that might need it. I want to use you, God. I want to be used, Father. If you want to be used, you don't have to go any further than take a look at that bulletin. And you will find more opportunities to be used than you can imagine. I want to be used. Because once you are used, it's important. My grandson, Ben, is a junior at University of Florida. He went there as a junior this semester. Roommates, I challenged him. I don't know who your roommate's going to be, Ben, but you be careful. There may not be a believer. And you be careful that you're not exposed to some things that that might surprise you or shock you. In other words, what you believe is going to be tested. It'll be tested in the classroom, in the hallways, in the opinion of others who are influencers. You be careful. But listen, I said, the blood of Jesus Christ covers you. But don't step out from underneath the covering. Stay under the covering of the Holy Spirit. Stand strong for what you believe. Said, who's your roommate? Told me who it was. Said, okay, no problem. Granddaddy never talks. I talked to him before the service this morning. He said he's from down below Fort Myers. Has a car. He said, Ben, I want to ask you a question. I'm getting ready to go home. Today for Thanksgiving, leaving today. This was Saturday. Ben, ma'am, if you're going on the interstate, should you get there and stop to look until it clears? Ben said, do what? What what did you just say? Get on the ingress. You're going on the interstate, and you're going to stop before you get out on the interstate? No, you don't stop. You gun it. You try to get to You go for it. My granddad taught me that. My Lord, have mercy. You outrun them all, buddy. If they're going 85 miles an hour, you run 87. Get on and you slow down, of course, when you're in the, in the lane. How I many you know what I'm talking about? He said, but granddad, this next semester, I've gotten into some great prayer groups and small groups. He said, they love Jesus. He said, I'm on room with a couple of them, and we're going to have Bible study. We can study together. You know what it says? No matter what the culture, the environment is, that if you're willing to open your heart and be used, you can. And listen carefully. Some of you are late in being used where you're planted. It's time you started saying, I don't want to be a part of the wallpaper on the wall. I want to be used dramatically by the Holy Spirit because these people need to know Jesus.
like I know him. Amen? So search me and mean it. Break me. Stretch me. Lead me. Use me. And if you do that, you're going you're gonna to be one of the happiest Christians in all the world. Amen? You really will be. Would you stand? Heavenly Father, thank you today. Thank you for this wonderful Thanksgiving weekend. Thank you for every person here, the greatest congregation in the world, or those listening now by, by live stream and those in this room. God, we thank you for the thousands and thousands and thousands of people called Victory Church, their home, but we are not where we need to be yet. We are still getting there. We want to be available with heads bowed for a moment and eyes closed. Maybe you look in and say, boy, I feel the search of the Holy Spirit. I've not been living the way that I know that I should. I've not been paying attention. I'm not as disciplined as I need to be, but I want to be better, and I need to get forgiveness. I need to settle the score again. I just need to say, God, forgive me. We're going to pray that prayer. Those of you listening by live feed, let God speak to you now. And I'm going to ask everybody, including those of you who are looking at live feed, I'm going to ask you now, let's all repeat this prayer together. Would you do that? Dear Jesus, forgive me. I made mistakes, and I need forgiveness. I ask you to come into my heart, purify me, anoint my mind, and give me peace that passes all understanding. I believe by faith, Jesus, you died for me. So I'm giving you my heart, and I'm asking you to use me. Do not let me be afraid, but let me trust you in my whole life. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Use me. Some of you are afraid of water baptism. That's tonight, 445, mezzanine number 8. Why are you afraid of water baptism? Can I tell you something? That might be an area that God's trying to say, listen to me, it's time. It's time for you to be water baptized. You've not done it for some reason, but if Jesus did it, here's how I feel about it he did it I think it's good enough for us and there's a reason he did it because when you go under that water you go under as an old creature and you come out new because you made a public declaration I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ amen so don't let that stop you and then those of you that need prayer you're out there you're listening you got family coming together. Maybe you just want to come down and say, I want to be anointed with oil because there's always tension. And I'm coming down to be anointed because I want to be a peacemaker. I want to pray for a grandchild or a person. I want to pray for some need in my life or someone else's life. Or just maybe you've been wrestling with a major, major ordeal in your family. God desires to deliver. And he'll be obedient. So as we sing this song, whatever your need is, would you come right now and let's trust God together. Then I'll give the benediction in just a moment.